Daisa with love here on Lifetime Live. This is SFM. We're leading the conversation on 104 to 107 FM. Of course, I am Asanda Beda in for Kuzelda Dudumashe. So, as promised, we start off by talking about access to cardiovascular health facilities in township and uh, townships. And joining us on the line is Dr. Martin Pe, who's a well-recognized cardiologist, both here uh, locally as well as globally. He also leads the team of five cardiologists at the SK Matseke Memorial Hospital in Soweto. Welcome, Dr. Mpe, to Lifetime Live. Thank you for having me, Asanda. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Thanks for making time. So let's start off by maybe just explaining what you do at um, SK Matseke Memorial Hospital. Yeah, we we have set up cardiovascular services, which which means we assist with the management of patients who've got um, diseases that affect their heart and blood vessels. And the type of services we offer would include diagnostic work, as well as intervention, and then also preoperative preparations for those patients who've got cardiac disease but are going to undergo non-cardiac surgery, and that would include them, um, you know, pregnant patients with uh, heart conditions, and the spectrum would include patients with heart failure, with heart attacks, um, and so forth. Anything to do with their heart. So I guess then, in a nutshell, that is what we would define as cardiovascular health. What you've just explained to us. That that's correct. Cardiovascular health. So, how do we monitor or measure cardiovascular health, uh, uh, doctor? Well, well, the common presentation of patients is with symptoms, of course, feeling unwell, some chest pain, swelling in the legs, some inability to breathe, decreased effort tolerance, and so forth. But what we normally look at is the profile of the patient that uh, that presents with those complaints whether or not they've got conditions that predispose to a heart disease. For instance, patients with high blood pressure, patients with diabetes, patients who smoke, patients who've got family history of heart disease, you know, patients with HIV and, and so forth. So once you've got the background of risk and you start presenting with symptoms, the likelihood that you've got heart disease is very high. And our interest is to confirm whether there is heart disease or not and then in those who do not have heart disease but have some um, risk factors, then we administer what you call primary prevention, meaning that we then administer treatment at the primary level of the risk factors that would necessarily complicate into heart, heart attacks, heart failure, and so forth. So we treat at different levels before they develop risk factors. At the time, they have risk factors to prevent complications, and those with complications, we resolve them and then ensure secondary prevention. So the whole idea is to ensure improvement in the quality of life and and prolongation of life. So if you talk about improvement in the quality of life, what is the role of exercise when we talk cardiovascular health? And then continuing to connect that to townships and whether that's something that's a priority to the people who live in townships. Yeah, and that takes me back to what we call primary prevention. So primary prevention entails both the lifestyle modification and some form of pharmacological therapy. So in preventing cardiac disease, we don't necessarily always have to prescribe skills, but then a good quality of life, that would include um, weight management, exercise, um, um, good dietary habits, um, avoidance of smoking. So exercise is a a very important um, aspect of um, disease prevention. And even in those who've got disease, as part of rehabilitation, exercise forms part of that. 
intimately. So prevention is certainly better than cure, even when we talk about uh, cardiovascular health. But in the specific uh, context of townships, when prevention hasn't been, you know, done, and uh, you know, now we are at the critical stages or the the developing stages or complicated stages, are patients able to receive the assistance they have? I know with SK Matzeke, it's a private hospital, so even the patients that would come there would kind of have to be privileged, but what about the underprivileged and the previously disadvantaged in the townships? Yeah, you see, um, Krisani Baragona's hospital, for instance, in Soweto, is a tertiary care facility that would um, offer tertiary care services to such patients. However, even in private institutions, there is an ethical obligation that those who come very acute and very unstable should be stabilized in those facilities before they are sent in a stable um, condition to the public sector mm. hospitals where the treatment can, can then be carried forth. Are there enough cardiologists in townships? Uh, maybe let's, let's zoom in on Soweto. Yeah, if you talk about cardiologists, so this um, facility in Soweto is actually the first facility where cardiovascular services are going to be offered in any township in South Africa. So Soweto is the first, and and historically that's, I think, um, monumental to to have a cardiology service in Soweto, given its background and history mm. and the number of people who are there. So this is the first that we have cardiovascular services at that level offered in a private sector in any township. So if you look at the total number of cardiologists in South Africa, the ones who are in active clinical practice are somewhere between 160 and 180 Mm. for 55 million people. So we still have the death of um, cardiology specialists in the country for starters, and in townships you hardly find them. Many of them are in in the metropoles. So that is why we feel taking cardiovascular services at that level to townships is a necessary milestone yeah. because we shorten the time for patients preventing acutely to access interventions, number one. Number two, even for those patients who are hospitalized, it's easier for family members to come visit, especially those who rely on public transport. We're talking to Dr. Martin Pei, who is a well-recognized cardiologist, uh, both in the country and internationally, also uh, leading a team of cardiologists at the SK Matzeke Memorial Hospital. Call us on 0891-104-207. Our WhatsApp line is 061-410-4107. SMS 40938 at 1.50 per SMS. We're going to take a short break. Doctor, please do stay with us. We continue with our chat after this. Wanting to do business in the African energy sector and meet the who's who in energy? Register now to attend the Africa Energy in Daba conference and exhibition. Join African energy ministers, top energy experts, find out about the latest energy project deals and meet companies exhibiting. Don't miss out from 19 to 20 February at the Santin Convention Center. Register now at africaenergyindaba.com. They call it a gentleman's game, but there is nothing stuffy, boring or calm about what we're about to bring you excitement mounts as we prepare for the title clash star players world-class teams record-breaking performances and so much more unforgettable moments unforgettable game stay tuned as the sri lankan test tours take to sa soil from the 13th of february live on sabc3 and radio 2000 Get ready to experience heated action as we bring you a summer of cricket. SABC Sports, for the love of the game. 
Not sure what to do on Friday nights? SABC3 brings you great Friday night movies this February. On 1 Feb at 10.30pm, join us for Fatal Memories. Then on 8 February at 9.30pm, join us for Buried Secrets. On 15 February at 9.30pm, cuddle up on the couch for Barefoot. And then on 22 February at 9.30pm, we end February Friday nights with City of God. The best Friday night movies with SABC3. Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. So let's have that conversation, which is the access to cardiovascular health facilities in townships. If you've just joined us, this is Lifetime Live here on SAFM, talking to Dr. Martin Bay. And we now welcome Dr. Kolo, sorry, Mr. Kolo Matseke, who is the manager at the Dr. S.K. Matseke Memorial Hospital. Welcome to Lifetime Live, Mr. Matseke. Mr. Mazeke, are you there? Hi there, I, I am here. Yes, Good welcome. Afternoon. Welcome. Hi to you and your listeners. I, I don't know who's got the, the more difficult job between you being the manager or Dr. Mpe there, but anyway, you'll tell us. But if we talk about, you know, going back to the more preventative measures when it comes to cardiovascular health, we know that in townships, Mr. Matseke, they're notorious for known, or they're known to be notorious when it comes to uh, abuse of certain, you know, substances and, and toxins there. So what is the link between that, the certain toxins and the misuse of alcohol, for example, in relation to cardiovascular health in townships? Well, as we, as we know in, in South Africa, um, cardiovascular health has been brought to the fore. It's been one of the biggest causes of death in, in the country. And um, I think continued partnerships with cardiologists, um, cardiologists in South Africa, and in particular the townships, will, will help alleviate um, and prevent such such diseases or any any type of strokes from from occurring. Um, I mean, currently we have 225 people who die of heart re- heart related illnesses and complications every day. So, mm. in terms of providing such facilities for the country, um, we 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 seek to assist people with that. So also the Dr. S.K. Matseke Memorial Hospital is part of the clinics uh, health group. And we know that uh, lately uh, there's been a partnership with the clinics health group with uh, uh, an intelligent uh, medical systems. And uh, this le- has led to some medication and uh, it, uh, strides made in terms of antibiotic resistance. Well, I suppose there's more, you know, that uh, has been done in that space. But just bringing it back to cardiovascular health, we know that there's a license that has been acquired as well by by the group that you guys fall under yes yes we what, what so, so and, and what will that mean for this particular topic of cardiovascular health i think it's a it's a it's the first stride in in providing cardiovascular health um as, you, as we, we know it's the first um license that's been granted by the department of health in um in in, in the communities of south africa and and i think continuously into the future um, more and more communities should have more access to cardiovascular uh, health services. How will it work? And we're talking Bluebird specifically, if we can just unpack it. Specifically to Bluebird? Yeah. Well, it, 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 well in terms of that, um, I'd, I'd, I'd have to ask my, my specialist in terms, of, um, um, in terms of Bluebird and how uh, um, that would, would contribute to assisting in uh, going forward. Okay, Dr. Mpe, can you come into that? 
Yeah, you, I'll just take it one step backwards towards the question on alcohol as a toxin that can lead to cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. So the problem with alcohol, especially excessive consumption, um, may lead to increases in blood pressure. You know, there are other psychological issues to do with alcohol. It can damage the liver, it can damage the brain. But when it comes to the heart, it can even weaken the heart muscles so that people may develop what you call alcohol-related um, cardiomyopathy. And those ones can go into a heart failure even with um, arteries that are clean. So just taking it further, um, as to the presence of um, cardiologists within the township mm. and the impact that we can make, that, that um, would rely on the networks that we form, especially with the primary care physicians, together with specialist physicians that would um, form part of our drainage area. But the important thing would be to disseminate education first to the healthcare providers so that they can be able to identify disease, number one. Number two, to better to better enable them to participate in the screening and primary preventative programs because the idea is not just to allow people to get sick simply because we've got a tertiary care facility where we can do interventional work. But then unfortunately, even in developed countries, in as much as we disseminate education about health promotion and disease prevention, we find that the prevalence of disease and complications keeps on increasing. And then it's mandatory, therefore, that the healthcare facilities should meet the need. So if cardiovascular mm-hmm. disease is the leader, you obviously have to ensure that in whatever healthcare facility, you should try and be relevant to the demands or to the needs in terms of healthcare services. So in this case, we say we'll have a tertiary care facility, but we're not necessarily going to sit back and say, let people get sick first before we can help. That is why the teamwork. So we'll be embarking on a roadshow first to um, with, with our general practitioners in the whole of Soweto, the drainage areas, just to empower them first on the ability to manage cardiovascular disease. And we allow them, you know, access to the specialist just for consultation as healthcare givers, not necessarily for patient referrals only. And then beyond that, those that um, need um, care at a different level, then we'll assist with those. And I should emphasize that in as much as this is a private care um, facility, mm. around 15, 17, 18% of our communities will be on private health care in terms of medical aid. So those are the ones that will try and assist to, to, to a large extent. But then we'll put together packages that would be affordable even for those who are able to pay out of pocket. But of course, we cannot make it so cheap that um, the access will be the same as in public service. But then we feel that um, all these um, avenues will actually um, uh, end somewhat the impact of cardiovascular disease, especially on the death rate in the communities that will be servicing. And it is the number one cause of death in the country, as Mr. Matseke has mentioned. And then you also, doctor, did mention that there's about 160 to 180 cardiologists for 50 mil- 55 million people. So I guess it's it's not even just a township uh, issue then that we should be looking at. We should look at this even nationally. Yeah. No, it's just that I was being relevant to this particular project. Yeah, at the yeah. national level, of course, is a national priority. That is why even in the public sector, Education, 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 and primary care nurses are being trained on this. Clinics in the communities are supposed to be able to identify these patients, refer them to um, regional hospitals, and then from there to tertiary care facilities. 
Let's continue our chat on the other side of news headlines. It's half past one now. Uh, Joalene Tulop, over to you. Discussions impacting your life the most. Thanks, Jalane. Lifetime Live with me, Asanda Beda, in Fokuzelda, Dudumaje is where you are. This is SFM. We're leading the conversation with Dr. Martin Pe and Mr. Kolo Matseke from the Dr. S.K. Matseke Memorial Hospital. Uh, you can still call in 0891-104-207. WhatsApp us on 061-410-4107. SMS 40938 at 1.50 per SMS, our time being 1331. In your experience as manager of the hospital, Mr. Matzeke, is there a difference between males and females in terms of how they are affected by cardiovascular health in townships? In terms of, in terms of cardiovascular um, health between um, males and, and females, um, I think, as, as Dr. Mpez already alluded to, that it's, it's a continuous um, um, uh, need within the South African context, uh, whether both male and female. And, and it's, it's, it's continuously... Uh, been drawn that um, uh, most cardiovascular, um, uh, I stand corrected, um, is, is, is predominantly found in uh, many male patients. Um, so, so we 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 still ultimately strive to reduce and uh, decrease the prevalence and loss of life from cardiac diseases for both male and female patients. Would that maybe be linked to work? Um, I'm. In terms of, in uh, terms of men, in, ter- in terms of men being more affected, because I mean, if we look at, well, traditionally in the South African sense, and and just traditionally in in maybe black communities, which are predominantly in townships, the man is the one who's put more under pressure to work and, and bring home the money. Um, yes, uh, uh, in, in in that respect, yes, uh, you find that uh, such things as stress um, and uh, and and hypertensiveness and and anything relating to such such job stresses could result in. Uh, cardiac issues for men, and that primarily could be the reason. Um, there are a variety of things that could contribute to to uh, cardiac um, um, illnesses uh, that people may may present. What else, Dr. Ampere, can we read into the link between work and cardiovascular health for both men and and women? Yeah, the male gender is, is a risk. Um, being being a man predetermines early death with everything equal between the genders. And, and if we look at cardiovascular disease, men tend to have increased risk once they reach the age of 55. Women have a leg of about 10 years by the time they hit 65. So biologically, a 65-year-old female is the same age as a 55-year-old man. We talk about biological age here, not, not chronolo- chronological age. And that is why if you look at life expectancies across nations, women tend to outlive men. Having said that, if you subject men and women to the same risk factors, let's say you ask them to smoke, the same amount of smoking and the same duration of smoking tends to um, Mm. obliterate the the differences within the genders in that that risk is going to predispose them to development of cardiovascular disease because the... Smoking, if you see somebody smoking um, 20 pack a day for about 10, 15, 20 years, the damage on the blood vessels is cumulative over time, which may then predispose to stroke. They may block um, arteries in the kidneys, they may block arteries in the legs and end up with amputations, they may block arteries in the heart and end up with heart attacks. And let's look at obesity increase in weight. We tend to have obesity be more common in women than in men. 
and obesity tends to drive conditions like um, diabetes, tends to drive conditions like high blood pressure or hypertension. And mm. if you look at men and women, men tend to have less um, of these um, cases of obesity compared to women. And if you look at the prevalence of hypertension and you look at age, the ones who are obese tend to have higher pressures than the ones who, are, who have normal weight. And, and therefore, when you look at this and, and you try and, and deal with, with the whole maze, you don't just look at one aspect and say gender. So in an individual, the number of risk factors that exist in an individual will actually determine the burden of risk. So I can't come to you and say you are a female, therefore you are a protected. If you are a female, mm-hmm. you are obese, you are diabetic, you are hypertensive, um, I pray that you don't smoke. Should you smoke, then the, the, the risk factors tend to multiply. If I give an example, if smoking gives you a 5% risk and diabetes gives you a 15% risk, a smoker who is diabetic, the risk becomes 50%. It's not necessarily the summation of 5 and 15. So it, it, it has a compounding effect. Therefore, it's necessary that when you interrogate an individual, you look at the number of risk factors and you do not necessarily um, give false sense of security by saying to people that because you are familiar, you are safe. We treat individuals in as much as we look at statistics at the, at the population level, but then we treat one person at a time. So we can look at um, impact on the cardiovascular disease prevalence across the community, but then a family that loses a breadwinner, somebody that loses a wife, a mother, and so forth, that impact will be 100% mortality for the person that dies. And I think mm-hmm. that is what we are looking at. We give education at, an, at, at the group level, but every individual that comes to us is the patient that is important to us for that moment. And hence, we tease out the risk factors per individual and one risk factor going to the next. If you look at conditions like HIV, for instance, they may also lead to affectation of the heart, of the blood vessels, and so on. So that's what we call comorbidity. Inasmuch as we talk about risk factors for heart disease, there are certain conditions which may also lead to conditions in the heart, even if people don't have your traditional risk factors. And some people, when they fall pregnant, they develop what you call um, pregnancy-related cardiomyopathy. And mm. they may go into, fall into heart failure during the time they're going to labor or immediately post-delivery. So looking at this, and we also have that small group of individuals who are born with defects in the heart. We call them congenital heart diseases. That would affect about 1% to 2% of lives there. Some of them die at birth, but then many of them will have corrective interventions if they get to proper evaluation at an early stage. And those that tend to survive can still have interventions as adults should, should the condition at that stage be um, amenable to surgical intervention. Mr. Matseke, do you see yourselves at the Dr. S.K. Matseke Memorial Hospital as leaders when it comes to cardiovascular health and the education thereof? In terms of being the leaders, um, I think we've, we've definitely partnered up uh, with I mean, top leading cardiologists. So in, in that respect, I think we, we definitely are sitting in the forefront in terms of, uh, um, in terms of cardiology. Um, Dr. Mpe and his team have a world-renowned uh, respect in terms of, of who they are, and I think we do, definitely. Uh, in terms of also the education uh, thereof, uh, I think we, as, as a, in partnership with clinics as well as uh, Dr. Mpe, would take strides in, in continuously educating people with regards to cardiovascular. 
access to cardiovascular health facilities in townships is what we're talking about here on Lifetime Live. You mentioned, Dr. Mpe, earlier non-cardiac surgery when it comes to the uh, dealing with the de- uh, developing stages or complications of uh, cardiovascular health. Can you tell us more? Yeah, for instance, if you've got a um, pregnant patient who's got them um, valvular disease, let's say pro- maybe they have um, an artificial valve or they've got a valve which is leaking or which is not um, closing properly or they have high pressures in the lungs and they fall pregnant. So pregnancy itself is a, is a condition that is going to increase demand on their heart. Mm. So if the underlying heart, the, the heart already has underlying disease and this individual falls pregnant, and you've got a problem where now the pregnancy may actually make this person to compensate. We find that when they are not pregnant, they are okay. They can have adequate effort tolerance. They can spend days on end working without being ill, but suddenly they fall pregnant and they can't breathe. They start to swell in the legs and so forth. So in that case, we have to have delicate timing. We need to assess whether the pregnancy is not going to put the mother's life at, at risk. And then what we then do, we must treat this heart condition in the environment of pregnancy to ensure that we can push the pregnancy to a point where a live baby can be delivered. But of course, there'll be some conditions which are not compatible with such situations. And another example I can give could mm-hmm. be somebody who's got a valve problem and is involved in a motor car accident. So in that case, the surgery that may need to be done is to repair the broken leg or the broken arm but then you find that this patient also has an underlying disease. So that's when we talk about surgery that is going to be performed elsewhere, but the individual has an underlying cardiac condition. So in a situation in our environment where you've got cardiologists, then they are able to give you that backup and support that even those patients that would necessarily not be treated in that facility can be treated because they come for orthopedic um, intervention, surgical intervention pregnancy-related problems, but because of the heart condition and the backup of cardiologists, then you can still treat them in the same facility. But then if mm-hmm. your facility has all other services, but you, know, you do not have cardiovascular backup, you have to send them to a center which has got them cardiovascular backup. That's why we're saying we're not necessarily going to be looking at patients with cardiac conditions, but other patients who've got other conditions with um, underlying cardiac conditions can be treated for those conditions as well. We are talking matters of the heart, and it is Valentine's Day, but I mean, it's it would, it would not looking at it from that angle. We went really scientific and health-wise, but let's bring it back to Valentine's Day now. When someone says, my heart is broken, Dr. Mpe, is there something that really actually happens physiologically to the heart? Yeah, we, we need to be um, careful about the terminology that we use. If you use um, um, a broken heart in, in, in social sense, you know, like where a lover leaves you or you feel betrayed or somebody cheats on you and you find out that would be an emotional response. So not much really may happen to the heart unless you've got some underlying cardiac disease and you decompensate. And there's one syndrome that we call the broken heart syndrome, mm. where somebody goes through an intense emotional um, um, experience and they develop what looks like a heart attack. You know, literally the heart enzymes go up, the heart them swells up and it doesn't contract and so on. And then when you look at the arteries, you find that they are thin. So that presents like a heart attack, and that's what we call the broken heart syndrome. That's a clinical condition. 
as opposed to somebody with a broken heart who's just feeling sad or depressed or, you know, emotional about some experience. All right. Well, let's leave it there. Thank you so much to the both of you guys, uh, uh, gentlemen, for for joining us. And a happy Valentine's Day to the clinics group as well. And we say that because you guys are lovers of health, Mr. Matseke. Yes, that's very true. (laughs) And thank you very much for that. As cheesy as that is, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, uh, Dr. Martin Mpe as well. Thanks for having us.